Welcome to episode 9 of the Endless Stream podcast. I am Aiden, and as usual, I'm here with Kevin and Brian. We are three artists, illustrators, and filmmakers that will be taking some of the endless stream of content provided to you by Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your content. We're going to take a chunk of it, and we're going to watch it and talk about it. Given the nature of these discussions, they're very spoiler-heavy, so if you haven't seen Jupiter's Legacy or Castlevania, maybe go off and watch those shows and come back and join the conversation. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast or following us over on Instagram. All of our socials are at The Endless Cast. All that being said, let's get into the episode. I finished out Jupiter's Legacy. Once I, I guess, binged it all, it was much more manageable a thing to, I guess, watch. I, I was a little happier with it. Um, we can go into that in a bit. I'm nearly finished Castlevania season four. Um, Castlevania. Castlevania. Uh, I enjoyed that show, but I guess there's there is room to talk about it. I know I watched the first. Sorry, I know I watched some episodes of the first season. And another brother of mine who wasn't the anime at all, I just happened to talk to him about it, and uh, he loves like he's he texts me now saying how the latest season's out. But I know the first couple of episodes I watched, I was really really impressed. Love season one. Yeah, I think there's a lot in it to enjoy, but I I also get very very bored in it in, in places. So it's it's always it's a slight battle between this is a cool animation and I'm really bored now. There's a bunch of trailers again this week which we can talk about. I was back to work, so it was a bit hectic, but I did finish Jupiter's Legacy. I finished Solar Opposites. Uh, didn't get to read anything this week. Um, but yeah, I finished Jupiter's Legacy and Solar Opposites. I was checking out Yasuke on oh, yeah. Netflix. Um, played through Resident Evil. Uh, Resident Evil Village, rather, and um, watched Promising Young Woman. I think that was about it this week. Oh, I haven't heard of that. Oh, that's the that's the Oscar one, is it? Oh, I, I wonder now, having watched Castlevania, will Netflix start pushing Yasuke on me? Because I I've not even seen a thumbnail for it. That's interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see what happens now. Um, Promising Young Woman. Kev asked, I guess, was that the Oscar? Did it did it win? I think it was nominated for a screenplay i think it won i think it won that category i think yeah so as it won an oscar you decided you should watch it got it well um, no i actually tried to watch it last year on vod but what's it about brian what is it about <laughs> um it is i try to trying to think of a, a short synopsis it, so as is, not to give is it that away. the one sorry is that the one where the lady has like kind of multicolored hair and she's in a nurse nurse is uh uniform yes, yes. i've not yeah. seen it yeah that that's a that's a fairly striking image that they do seem to be using for the marketing um but like the first trailer i saw of it was spending more time in do you have the knife again what's kevin doing Oh, sorry. Um, he threatened me with a knife. He threatened me with a knife when I talk. It's, it's the right shape for my hand. I can chew on it because it's plastic. I can dig the dull yeah. end into my head and gently yeah, see, tap he myself says, with the sharp he, he end. He says it like he doesn't um, point the sharp end into his face and eyes. No, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. But yeah, no, no, I don't, yeah. So we'll watch, I watch. I will watch Promising Young Woman then if it's good. 
Is it is it, is it kind of a movie that you could you could chill out and watch, or is it more of a deep thinker? Oh God, no. Okay, uh, yeah, God, I was no. concerned about that. I don't know anything <laughs> oh, about no. the. Uh, I don't know anything about the synopsis. No. No. Okay. You you know you don't know what no, it's about. I have no idea. No. I mean, you you you, you absolutely should know. Um, going in. Give us the synopsis, Brian. Um, like, okay. what's what's the synopsis? I won't give it away. Um. I mean, they, they like we, we preface this as very spoiler heavy podcast and like there's a lot in the trailer. Yeah, I'm, 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 just, I'm just trying to think. So, I mean, what, I think you could. I'm trying to just recall. Yeah, what is in the trailer? Essentially, um, Kerry Mulligan. For reasons that are kind of revealed in the film, she she gets picked up at nightclubs and bars and stuff like that by is, guys. Is it like a revenge movie? Yes. Yes, that's all I need to know. Perfect. I'll watch it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's not it's it's not an easy watch. Um, is it worse than is it worse than because uh, I didn't I didn't really mind it as much because I, I like revenge movies, but Emer often discusses uh, I Spit in Your Grave the remake as as a pretty pretty horrific movie. Uh is it is it worse than that? It's not as graphic. Okay. Uh but in way in ways it is worse. It's 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 we yeah. It's at least as but bad. can I? I've never like I I am the biggest softy with this sort of movie. I can barely I can barely handle like horror movies of any sort. Jaws intimidates me. Like I know going in like Jaws, I've developed a love for over time. But like as a kid, it's like it's a scary movie. I'm not going to watch it. Um, I spit in your grave is the impression I have of it having not watched it. It's rape revenge movie. Last House on the Left, I think, is a similar. Yep. vain um, but they do fall into a degree of at least historically a kind of exploitation film as well where it's like enjoying seeing people get their comeuppance and stuff so does this fall into that sort of like a horror schlock revenge fantasy type of thing or is it a little more pointed a little more um, it's it's much it's much I guess serious yeah it's it. much more grounded okay it's yes. it's socially it's, aware or whatever culturally aware it it's it's much more grounded it's there, there, there are black comedy elements to it but it's a much more it's less exploitative you know so mm-hmm. you know obviously it's a really sensitive subject as well so even though it isn't as graphic as let's say either the, the films kev was mentioning um it's still potentially it's still potentially very upsetting you know given the subject matter but she's she's um, a, she's a sex worker obviously gets like horrifically assaulted or attacked or something and then she no 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 she she, she... okay okay I should look i'll watch it i'll watch it i think given the subject matter given the oscar nomination it's not a good idea to try and guess the narrative of this film it's it, it like the you know the the title kind of you know gives you some idea uh she's she's a medical school dropout She's living with her parents and she is just kind of dedicating her life to revenge. So like the idea being, you know, like a promising young woman, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, given like, you know, an event happens and the film then is, is her dealing with, you know, okay, kind of essentially getting revenge for that. Okay, I'll watch it. Um, it's very good. Yes. It's very good. Okay, well, that's it's, good. Yeah. But it's a tough watch. It's a tough watch. It's very good. Uh, it also I'm trying to think without giving stuff away. I don't. When I'm sold on it, I'm sold on it. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I would say maybe that there, there, there's an element that you know there's an element of it where it's very satisfying to watch guys get their comeuppance mm-hmm. um but that's not what it's about either necessarily but again i don't want to kind of yeah yeah it kind of it, it, essentially if, you, if you're going in thinking how satisfying it is to kind of watch you know people get their comeuppance yeah it's like going, john it, wick it, it, killing it's, people because they kill the puppy it, it subverts that too so yeah just just i guess you know don't go in completely blind because it's uh it's a good watch but it's, but it's a little bit harrowing it's tough yeah yeah um i was gonna say i did watch actually did watch two movies last weekend one of them was really really bizarre and can i even think of it uh there was a movie called happily with joel McHale. is it from the community mm-hmm. and so i think it was called happily yourself and him and his wife are like say like 20 years married or something and they are still like kind of very happy like kind of like they're still like have a very active sex life and all that kind of stuff and all their friends are kind of like just not happy and stuff and then they were meant to be going on a retreat together where basically all, all them and their friends are meant to go on a treat, retreat together but uh, the friends kind of be like no you're too annoying like no one's as happy and no one's having as like you know it's great sex and the sex as much as you guys and no one kind of you know they're, they're, yeah yeah you're too happy where everybody else is in kind of like toxic and kind of just like mundane like relationships or whatever and uh they this 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 guy shows up to joe mckay's house with his wife but this this guy shows up it's the man from the office with the staples can't think of his name the officer office space office space office, office space. space that's steve root steve root i think it's him was he in true blood as well the yeah, vampire in the basement who's tied to the yeah the deck chair. Yeah, he's a he's a phenomenal actor, you know. But he's in this. He's amazing. He's in Barry. Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah, hot. Yeah, yeah um, he's excellent. But basically, he's in it, and he tells them that they're they're defective, and that uh, he's going to inject them, and they'll they'll uh, they'll be fine, and they'll be like their friends, normal, and kind of like semi miserable, semi happy never really content type of thing you know and the girl kills him and they bury the body and they go to the couple then they get invited to the couple's retreat anyways and they think it's either they, like Joe McHale's like it's either a prank or what that guy said is real and like kind of whatever you know but it's then them trying to get to the bottom of it it's a really weird weird movie Andre from The League is in it there's an actress who was in Dead to Me uh, she's in it there's a, there's a few people you'd recognise but it's 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 it wasn't it wasn't great, and then we watched that Amanda Amanda. Who's Andre in the league? Um, he's he Brian hates him. He did the Marvel six one six Earth thing. Who's the guy from Big Mouth? It's not the guy from Invincible. It's the other guy. No, that's Jason Manzukas. We're in the same wheelhouse. Paul Shear. I don't hate Paul Shear. He's bald. Kind of, kind of creepy. That sounds like Paul Shear. I think you're talking about Paul Shear, but I don't. I don't. I hate the. Oh, well, you didn't like the. I hate the. You league. didn't like the league. Yeah, I hate the yeah. league. Was he? League. Did he wear hats in the league? He was. He was just a loser guy. He was actually brilliant in the league, but Brian doesn't like the league, so whatever. Brian, ugh. League. The league is trash. Let's be more cynical. It's a trash show. It's not a trash for show. for trash people. Me. Well, okay, that's strong. I would say I was like I can't really You're argue with you. You're a trash. garbage person, Kevin. You're garbage. I'm thinking of Nick Kroll. Do you hate Nick Kroll, Brian? 
No. I don't like Nick Kroll. He is too much saliva in his mouth. Do we do we hate him because he's damp? No, it's not that he's damp. I have no issue with dampness. It's the fact that his mouth is full of saliva. But he's but he's not in Happily. It's Paul Shear, right? Yes, it's Paul Shear. Okay. And then I watched that movie Things Seen and Not Heard, and I didn't. I don't even remember the end of it. It was pretty rough. The Mag- the Ma- Amanda Siegfried or whatever her name is. That reminds me, actually, I I watched uh, Jennifer's Body also, which I hadn't seen before. I've never seen that. You've never seen Jennifer's Body? I hadn't seen it. Yeah, kind of. A... Not as good as Juno, and I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't like Juno. I thought. I pre- I preferred. I preferred this to Juno. I would say. Yeah. I liked it. Jennifer's Body was based on a comic book, as far as I remember. As there was a comic book of it. I don't know. Is Amanda Seyfried Jennifer's body? She is. That's okay, why I was wondering how you got that's, there. That's what reminded me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's it's Megan, Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried, I think. Seyfried. Uh, what's, no G. I haven't watched Jennifer's body in ages. What do you think of it, Brian? I liked it. I liked it. Um, I'd seen a couple of other films by the director that... Um, there's a film, I think it was called The Invitation. It's kind of a slow yeah, burn good. horror film. Yeah, I really like that. That that's was a good film. really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Your man in that's brilliant as well. The main guy. Tom Hardy. <laughs> no, it's not Tom I Hardy. Know I know it's not Tom Hardy. Hardy. He, I get a confused is with it the guy that's a bit film. like Tom Hardy? Tom Hardy. He looks like Tom Hardy. What's the movie? Which, The Invitation? The Invitation. Yeah, yeah. there's the guy. Uh, he He's in... That movie Upgrade. Which is Tom Hardy's I'm, Venom. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Is he in Jack Reacher? No, that's the Australian guy you're thinking of. But I get them confused. One of them was in Suicide Squad? That's the guy from Jack Reacher. But the Upgrade guy is not the same I guy think as we're Jack doing Reacher. it again. We are doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> upgrade, upgrade, upgrade is the is Venom movie that should have been Venom. And actually that actor would make a cool Eddie Brock. The guy that's a bit like Tom Hardy. So would Tom Hardy. <laughs> um, Jai Courtney. Jai, Jai, Jai Courtney is in Jack Reacher. Logan Marshall Green is the Tom Hardy lookalike in Upgrade. I think he was also in Prometheus, possibly. I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good actor. He's a good yeah. actor. He's in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, no, he's not. Logan Marshall Green. Yeah. He's the first shocker, I think. And then your man Keaton Vulture accidentally kills him because he's getting mouthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's Logan Marshall yeah. Green. You're the shocker now. Uh, I thought that was the de- I thought that was the gravity gun. Yeah. So Logan Marshall Green is in the Invitation, uh, which was directed by Karen Kusama, who also directed Jennifer's Body, which I liked. I thought it was good. Did she direct Juno as well? No, I don't think so. But Juno and Jennifer's Body the same author, same writer, but. Diablo yeah. Cody, yeah. Yeah. I don't really know any. Because I, I know she was like kind of huge with Juno and then her the follow-up was Jennifer Body. I don't know if Jennifer Body was as well received. Is she still kind of... I think it of, sort of developed a cult thing after the fact. Um, did she do United States Atara? Well, did she do that? She did... I just blanked. I was about to say. She did a Young Adult with Charlize Theron. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um... I think Jennifer's body was very much kind of slated because it was a Megan Fox vehicle and yeah um you know reviewed by mostly men so it's a it's a film written and directed by women about two women um and yeah 
Jenna, Megan Fox was kind of, you know, almost kind of getting cancelled silently because people just kind of viewed her as, you know, the way she was portrayed and she'd kind of spoken out about a few things. And yeah, I think I think people were just not ready to like it, like her or give her credit for it. Oh, I, I don't kind of have any particular... Um, I think I think I liked it more than Juno. That's the only thing. I think I liked it more than Juno, but I can't really remember. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean he, he just got up and walked away from the microphone talking, so... <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I was cold. I, I think I liked it more than... I, think, I can't remember. I can't remember, to be honest. But uh, Jennifer's body... Yeah, it's a, it's a, but they're. I think they're very like again. I haven't seen Jennifer's body, but it's it. They're drastically different things, you know. Um, but by, by the looks of Jennifer's body, um, like it's slightly different. I guess I'll I'll give Jennifer's body a list a look because it's it's on. Um, I have a copy of it available to me, and I just keep looking at it, going. Oh, I must watch that, and I've seen a few it's, people doing cool it's like, worth a watch. art off the back of it. And yeah, there's some yeah. there's some really. Um, some really nice shots in it as well. I, I was watching um, Dave Bautista saying he's kind of done playing Drax and he thinks that Marvel have underserved the character and, you know, they're not telling the story of Drax. And while... Snyder got into his head. Snyder got into his head. Yeah. Or gone. You should be working for DC, man. Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah. For the Army of the Dead end of things. Um, while I understand the importance an actor puts on the the narrative of their own character, I I do think there's a little bit of like not seeing, I guess, not seeing where Drax actually fits in the grand scheme of things. He's he's kind of comic relief from the get go, because he's sort of he sort of um, expressed dissatisfaction with the way that. Drax the Destroyer became the comic relief and they've dug into that more and more and more. But like the fact that he could, couldn't handle metaphor or took things literally was the very first joke that they hit with him and they stayed with that. Um, like he wants he wants to get into Drax's narrative of his loss of his family and the, the like whatever. There might absolutely be the a Shakespearean tale of loss and gain and... and royal houses and whatever the hell else goes on in Drax's universe. I'm not really familiar with the backstory. But, you know, you're... You are comic relief on a team of fucking six in a movie of 20 different fucking franchises. Like, yeah, Marvel might guys. come around to it. But... He just wants more money, probably. But I was going to say, dude, like, when when actors do this type of stuff, like, is it is it fruitful? You know? Like if he's if he's if he's doing an interview and he's saying like oh about this this and this it's like is that not just, like I would imagine that's just gonna kind of like ruffle people's feathers, burn bridges and people aren't gonna be as like keen. I I that's kind of where I would f- feel about it as well. Like if he's happy, I mean, Guardians is is going to have been ten years of his career by the time he finishes Guardians three, um. Mm. So like it's perfectly understandable for him to want to just you know, extricate himself from a contract and move on. Like, he's in other things. That's great. Um, It is, just as an external observer, like, I don't think they're ever going to dig into Drax and give him a standalone movie. Um, Like, the same thing with Dominic Purcell on um, 
Legends of Tomorrow, where he plays Mick Foley, not Mick Foley, Mick something or other, the, the Captain Freeze from the Flash universe, yes, Captain Cold. Yeah. And like he's put a bunch of things up on Instagram talking about the lack of vision and foresight of the producers of the show. They just couldn't see where Mick's story could go and they underserved the oh. character. And it's like, you're the you're the grunty muscle guy in the background of... That has just been the ego in the industry of everybody thinking that like everybody wants to see them develop more and like they deserve more time and they deserve like you know I'm the star of the show you need you need me I don't need you yeah I don't I don't grudge people their the ambition and their um investment in their own characters but there's got to yeah, be but, a degree but, if you're like it, you're you're Mick in the back of Legends of Tomorrow you're mm. you're not launching a franchise off of him you know. Mm. Hemsworth talks about Thor as if his um, expressions of what he wants from the character had an effect on where he went you know the cutting the hair the leaning into the comedy the changing more sci-fi like he does talk about he does talk a little bit about you know um, I don't I don't want to put words in his mouth either but like I know that like he expressed how he wanted the Thor character to go and whatever other dealings and conversations went on that's kind of the direction it went and it has worked out well for him but he's literally the lead of a fucking franchise at that point it's not you know Drax mm. yeah like Drax Drax is essentially expendable like he's a character we like and he's very much a part of the Guardians of the Galaxy and if he was if he was killed off, it'd be devastating. However, it would not be the same as Gamora uh, or Peter Quill. Well, I mean, yeah. And there you go. That's my my. I I think I think that. somebody had asked him during the week or a week previous um, why he wasn't in Gunn's Suicide Squad, and I think his answer was something to the effect of that he got more money doing Army of the Dead than he would have gotten doing Suicide Squad. So I don't know if there was an offer for a role in Suicide Squad or if he was just saying that what he ended up being paid for for Army of Dead was higher, but I'd imagine those comments then are kind of coming from a place where, you know, he's probably feeling like he's he's undervalued given that stalling. given that how not even necessarily stalling, but just, you know, he's got people's favorite line or one of their favorite lines from infinity war you know um so even though he is comic relief he does bring a lot to it and he's probably feeling like well you know i should guess that should be reflected on my next paycheck and that's fair enough i guess i you know just given that his comments have been about money i'd imagine that's that's kind of where it's coming from and he's he's saying fuck it why why be diplomatic about it you know i'm just the former wrestler thing is always eyeballing the rock's career has to be yeah and the fact that I like I I give lots of credit to Dave Bautista. He's done a really great job in 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 the role of Drax, and I really liked him in Blade Runner as well. I I do think he played for the man his size. He played that so small and um like it it's one scene, but I think that one scene brought a lot to a character. So I I I am kind of curious to see what he can do you know, in these other roles, you know, like ultimately that scene did end in a big fucking fight, but you know, it was one man quietly living his existence, kind of afraid a guy was going to show up and try and kill him. And I was like, this is kind of cool from Dave Bautista. 
So I can see him kind of being, you know, 10 years into the franchise that he was overjoyed to be involved with to begin with going, it's time to move on. I just think framing it as framing it as Drax needs his own standalone thing or he's being undervalued is kind of like, right, okay, let's move on. Would you watch a Drax series or a Drax movies? A Drax movie? Based on what I've seen, I watch, I look, I watch anything fucking Marvel, basically. You put it in front of me, I'm going to watch it. Um, though I haven't watched Lock and Key or... Um, Do you mean Cloak and Dagger? Cloak and Dagger, yeah. Um, and the or, Runaways. Or The Runaways. Or, yeah, like there's a lot of the TV stuff I haven't watched. You'd have to show me something really interesting with Drax to make me care. Cloak, Cloak and Dagger was actually interesting, but I didn't finish it. Because they, they haven't given Drax a sympathetic narrative or a, a, a humane narrative that you can actually invest in. He goes on about the death of his wife in the first movie, but it's big and it's broad and it's shouty and it's comedic. You know, I, like it's not going to pull me into a TV series where I watch him. Yes, it's basically know. like I'd rather see other characters get their own TV series before Drax. You have to do so much to humanize him and bring him back from the comic relief. To make yeah. him watchable in a, yeah. a in a standalone way. I don't think that's the way to go either, because I mean Hemsworth was worried with Infinity War that it was going to undo all the kind of lightness and comedy he brought to the character in Ragnarok. So yeah, uh, I don't think it would make sense to do a you know give Drax a Disney Plus show where it's grim and serious because nobody that likes Drax wants that. In in the same in the same way that people were kind of saying we don't want this serious, traumatized Thor in Infinity War, give us give us more Ragnarok. But you see, you're right then. But what he needs then is another ensemble around him, and basically what you're looking at is the tick. Yeah, you know, big dumb action mm. thing. That's you know there is a narrative around him, but he's kind of pointed at what to do by the rest of the cast. Does that make sense? Yeah, actually, I'm I'm selling myself on a on a, a tick style <laughs> show with Drax. I, I've I've done my own fucking pitch on this. I need to go and write a spec script, I think. But then, is that not just Guardians of the Galaxy without Chris Pratt? And then would Chris Pratt not be saying, "Hey, uh, why is Guardians of the Galaxy the Drax show now?" You know, because that's effectively what Star Lord is in Guardians. You know, he's. But anyway. Yeah, but I want a tiny budget on a streaming service that nobody watches. All right, let's move on from Batista. Um, there's a Venom trailer. Did you all watch that? No. Yes. You didn't. You didn't even watch it, Brian. No. Did you not enjoy the first Venom? No. Did you watch the first Venom? I did. It's bad. Okay. Did you not enjoy it? I did not enjoy it. You, you got Tom Hardy playing um, Charlie Day. Yeah. It's weird. Or what's his name in Oh Sunny Charlie? Charlie Kelly, yeah. Charlie Kelly, yeah. It's a weird choice, isn't it? Why is he so sweaty? Because he's a symbiote in his. No, I mean just just party. generally like it. I I. He just looks so sweaty. What's going on with Tom Hardy? Yeah. What's what's up with him? Is is it is it filmed in San Francisco? Is he meant to be based in San Francisco? Why do I think it's that? based in San Francisco anyway? I don't know if they actually film it there or not. Okay, it's based in San Francisco, yeah. Yeah. Human? Human in San Francisco? Has anybody been? Haven't been. Haven't been. Haven't been. 
have been, been. Now that you say it, it was like, yeah, I have been to San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, God, I, for- so I forgot that. Privileged. Yeah, I don't remember a hell of a lot. It was a um, good week in San Francisco then, I guess. No, it was it was just yeah, like we go on, tell us. No. Um Daddy didn't bring me to Disneyland, he brought me to Warner Brothers instead no, and I hated it. It it was it was a couple of our friends were doing like they were promoting like a short film that they had and they were they got to tour a couple of studios and stuff and it was kind of a whirlwind week kind of thing. So we had like we drove in from Los Angeles and arrived oh, at San Francisco really, now. really fucking late. Mm. And then just woke up and like walked the streets of whatever part of didn't know where the hell we were i didn't want to say streets of san francisco <laughs> uh, <laughs> we walked around for a while i, w- I would have hummed the uh, theme tune if i could remember yeah it, I yeah yeah i'll just interject with michael douglas there we go but i i had no real sense of where the fuck i was do you know what i mean like i didn't see the bridge or anything you know like i was just i just woke up in another city and walked around a bit and it's like okay and then we went to Pixar. Just name um, drop, you motherfucker. Huh? Mm. We went. We went to Pixar. It was fun. Did, we sat in the canteen. Did you meet a, a Tom Hardy or a Venom? No. Or that, no. Or that. Or that. Mark Andrews, that the guy that directed Brave, he was very nice. He was very nice, and we met Scott Morrison. He gave us a book. Um, very cool. So you were name dropping. <laughs> yeah, now I'm name dropping. But, but I'm also like recovering memories a, from... Uh, I don't remember my time in San Francisco. Oh, I met this director and, and this, Scott Moore gave me a book. Mm. Turns out I was in San Francisco. Anyway. <laughs> Look, just don't get me started Did on Tokyo. Did ye like Venom? Uh, oh, God, I no. I wanted to, but no. I wanted yeah, to, no. It's bad. Anytime I see a motorbike doing a sort of motocross jump over things, um, I get an erection. I I tend to think this is shit. Um, I don't I don't know why I associate motorbike stunts with just shit movies, but because like, because we're we're from the early we're, or we would have grown up watching like the, triple X the, X games like nineties nineties and early two thousands where kind of if you wanted to have a badass character he was definitely wearing black possibly clad in leather and and driving a bike over jumps or with fire going off under it and it like lifts into the air but like we had highlander we had like renegade tv show we had like kind of you know what i mean like it's like everything everything was just all bike stunts for so long on and like kind of like 90s action tv yeah, so so my association with, you know, when they confronted with the character of Venom, who is basically a kind of quasi-Spider-Man clone as a character and skill set, they stick him on a motorbike and do motorbike stunts and then have him, like, shooting out tendrils a bit in the air. I just, the moment I saw that in the trailer, I went, I don't like this. Same thing when I saw Captain Kirk on a fucking motocross bike in Star Trek Three. I was like, why is this happening? But then Justin Lin directing, so, like, he'd bring in his Fast and Furious skill set. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make. Like the first Venom, other symbiote wanted to get back to space and get other symbiotes to come back to Earth. Was that the story? I remember a fight on the outside of a shuttle. Like I did watch uh, it. What people yeah. are responding to is the kind of you know 
Charlie Kelly schizophrenic energy. conversations. Yeah, the 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 odd couple energy. I guess between Charlie and Venom. Um, I guess there's there's a little bit of like a, a little shop of horrors vibe as well when like they're making breakfast. Yeah, there is there is kind of that kind of stuff. But Venom has six point nine six point seven IMBD and twenty nine around mouse. I always held IMBD at a higher no. IMDb is just people writing movies. So what's mm. better? Nothing's better. Nothing's better than nothing's forming your own better. opinion. So so you're saying nothing's better than IMDb. I get you. Finding a critic whose opinion you value. There's so many critics. It's even shifted as a job in the last 20, 30 years. You know, because time, time was, there was a degree of thought or weight or authority behind the review of a critic even if you disagreed with them and whatnot you know you but now you get you me and brian on a microphone giving our opinions and you know everybody's a fucking critic that's fine and that's the way it is i do think there is some value in finding somebody whose opinion you kind of are on a similar wavelength of and if you need an opinion going into a movie go and see what they say and I thought it was very funny though one of the episodes before you said that you hate critics and I think this literally is a critical podcast. It kind of is, yeah. I do, but like I dislike a critic that goes into something and flatly shits on it even though it's just clearly not for them and you're not reviewing it from a place of any information or any objectivity. So... You know, you have all of the information going into something like a speed racer and you didn't enjoy it. And that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. um, not to, you know, talk about the war, but like. <laughs> but like, then it's saying though, Craig, I, always, like, I, I, I personally would very, very, very rarely ever read a review of a movie I'm looking forward to. Actually, I never read reviews, really. I might hear stuff from you guys, but I, I'll never actively pursue like reviews or anything that's non-spoiler reviews and i never look at any of it you know if i'm searching movies and i have it down to two movies i could be like which one rates better and i'll watch that one first because potentially could be second photos i could be asleep in a second but I, I i don't know like i think i think being like you know movie reviews and critics and stuff it's so subjective it's like it's like we've talked about it before but it's just like it's like I don't know. Like even if I if I'm looking forward to a movie and and I read a review from someone I kind of respect and they tell me it's shit, ultimately I'm going to make up my own opinion and see it anyways. And I could love it, you know. Yeah, but what 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 you like is is subjective. But I think the role of a, a decent critic is to objectively look at the film and where it sits in the genre or in the 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 whole canon of what they're trying to review. There, there are objective things like, you know, did they remember to turn the fucking camera on? Do I see the boom? Like, is this poorly made? But after that, it's like, is this a good example of the type of film I've come to watch, you know? And if you hate superhero movies, it's just if it is just not your fucking thing, then you're not the person to walk into a room and judge whether or not superhero movies are any good. Venom, I did not enjoy it. Venom and Carnage, I don't know it. I have don't. I don't have any hope. I, I always want to like Woody Harrelson since Cheers. <laughs> I I don't know. I think this is. I think this is one of these things where we're getting a sequel because it managed to make some money more so than it's any good. 
like Aquaman. You shut your, you, you you your fucking mouth. People like Aquaman. I get why people liked Aquaman, though. There's an, there's an octopus playing the drums. A mermaid lady plays a wind instrument. There's a lady it's on Amazon. Uh, Amber, Check it out. Amber Heard. Amber Heard is sitting after like some shit goes down and she's on a little boat trying to go somewhere. She's sitting on the boat playing a, a flute. It's a wind instrument. <laughs> is she playing it underwater? No. She's okay. playing above water, but how does she learn how to play a flute? flute? And why, why does an octopus play the drums? Why is there so much kind of like, say, swimming and shouting? There's a lot of just scenes of lads kind of coming up from the bottom of the, the screen, float, like kind of swimming towards the top and just going, ah. Apparently, Jason Momoa has offered his suggestions uh, to where Aquaman and the second movie should go, and producers and directors and writers have really taken it on board. Okay, I foresee axe throwing, more, more beer Guinness. drinking. Yeah. Uh, artisanal uh, handmade fixed gear bikes. Yes. Women's men and more jumpers. Have you seen uh Zack Snyder has said that he has been tortured by by, by Warner Brothers? I did not, no. Yeah, I didn't I didn't read the article uh really at all. But I the the um, headline definitely says uh Zack Snyder says Warner Brothers tortured him by finishing the Justice League. Uh, what is his fucking endgame? Just move on from superhero shit, would you, Doc? Back to zombies with you. Why, why, does it, why, does it, yeah, why didn't he just focus on his new movie? Like, kind of... Like, I, I don't know. This is my whole thing about it. Like, man, it's like, okay, you're not going to get your, your, your trilogy, you know? And, like, kind of, I guess... Like, part of me would have been interested to see some of it, but then not really. I do feel sorry for the guy who was cast as Green Lantern. But, like, it's like, you got your movie, dude. Move on now, you know? I, I kind of want the Ben Affleck Batman. I want nothing to do with Snyderverse. But I want, like, Affleck wrote a script, right? I, now, that might not be a good script. That might not be a good script, and I'm not saying we need to make that script. But I think he did a good job as a Batman. And, you know... He's been hurt in the past with Daredevil, you know, and, and was, John I Woo's keep, paycheck. I mean, he's trying hard, guys. Paycheck's all right. No, I think it fucking the, isn't. The accountant's good, but I think um, yeah, we we should, I, because you watched me watch Speed Racer. We should go back and watch Daredevil sometime and watch it. Did you ben Affleck's called? Daredevil? No, it's a very, yeah, it's a very no, different you, movie. It's great. You see, it's great. you see. The thing there was you hadn't seen Speed Racer, mm-hmm. but we've all seen Daredevil, and we don't need. Have we, you seen the director's yes, cut? Yes, and we don't need. I to have. Revisit yeah. It. yeah, I'm gonna watch it this weekend again. Yeah. I, I I had I had uh, at one point I had Daredevil and the Daredevil director's cut on DVD here, and like I would defend those films, and I would say that it like the director's cut is better than the first one, and the fir- or the theatrical cut, and the theatrical cut is better than people think it is. And I enjoyed Daredevil. I I'd agree, but we don't need to re we don't need to review it. Then Marvel started making movies, and suddenly I realized what good superhero movies could be, and I went, "Okay, I'm not watching Daredevil again." I think Daredevil, like you know, it it played its role in like the popularity of movie. Oh God, I actually 
It served its purpose as a stepping stone to superhero movies being better. All of this time, I can't believe I'm going to see you were there in front of me. (coughs) Evanescence. Yeah, I was, I was, I was like, I'm assuming he's trying to sing Evanescence, but he's singing the bit people yeah, don't necessarily you, know. You coughed your lung up there, so could you do it again without coughing? Can we have another take? Yeah. Oh, I just time, start I with "Wake Me Up." <laughs> wake me up, wake me up inside. I can't wake up. Somebody say. I can't remember. It's been a while. Yeah, you wandered into the Smallville theme tune. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah, I don't, um, even, I don't even remember the theme tune. So there was a trailer for The Green Knight went up. That movie's been on hold through the whole pandemic. I don't know what this is. What's it based on? You sent it to me. I watched I watched some of it and then I had to skip through it because I thought like I was waiting for like The Green Knight. So The Green Knight is an old English myth that kind of ties into Arthurian legend. I think there's got a bit of a Welsh history to it as well. Um, the Malbiognan, Malbiognan, I can't speak Welsh, but their sort of uh, myth cycle. Um, he shows up at King Arthur's court and um, issues a challenge to any knight there to strike a blow on him. He gets to take the same swing. So the offer is try and chop off my head. And if you can do it, fine, I'm dead. But if you can't, I get to take the next swing. And of course, he's some magical thing and his head goes back on and he says, one year hence, I'll come back to kill the guy who did it. And the guy has to go on a whole quest and journey. And I... I saw the TV version of that that might have been made for the BBC or UTV when I was a kid. And it's one of these things like Round the Twist where it's in the fantasy DNA of my head somewhere, but I can't quite remember it. Do you know what I mean? Like Like, Chico the Rainmaker. Maybe that's your Round the Twist, but it means nothing to me. It was a it was a headless witch doctor. It was a, no sorry. It was just a head of a witch doctor that kids kept in a box, and he was called Chico the Rainmaker, and he used to sing a song: Chico, Chico, the Rainmaker, Chico, Chico, the Rainmaker, Chico, Chico, the Rainmaker, Chico, Paco, Waka, want to make the rain. And one time his head got stuck in a football and went down a river. Um, where where was Chico supposed to be from? He was indigenous to somewhere. He was a shrunk. He was a shrunken head. I think of it. Kids found him in a house or something. He was alive. Uh, <laughs> um, I saw the TV version of this thing where the Green Knight was played by Sean Connery. I think it was Sean Connery. Oh wow! And you know he's. It's kind of in his sort of Zardoz phase where, you know, he's doing weird fantasy stuff, and I think he's in tight pants and no shirt, and his head comes off, and he's got glitter on his face, and. His head gets put back on, and um, so I've I've got a soft spot for it. And this thing has some really nice uh, visuals in the trailer. It's from A twenty three. Who have um, it is A twenty three, right? Twenty four. Twenty four. Damn it. Who have been doing horror stuff with a real kind of like arty, like good take on as much as anything else the sort of cinematography and the craft of the thing they're making. Basically, I was looking forward to it when I saw the first trailer last year, and it basically it's sort of sat idle. It's clearly shot in, I think, Wakelow, um, and it's got um, who's the Irish guy that I never remember how to pronounce his name with the squinty eyes. Dunkirk, Barry Keown, Cam with horses. Yeah, Barry Keown, Keoghan. That's where I get confused. Is do I hit that G or don't I? It looks really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing it is basically the extent of my reason for bringing this up. Um, it 
in some ways reminds me of that Fassbender Macbeth, which again, really striking trailer and, and visuals, but I don't know, does it necessarily carry through the whole film? Is it enough to make you enjoy the film? I don't know. But that's my, I guess, thought on that, unless you guys watch the trailer or have any thoughts yourselves. I watched the trailer. I really like the after guy. Dev Patel. But it does make me think, though, you were talking about, there about the, the old BBC version of it or whatever, the, the back of the day. I do remember having, like, watching, maybe with my brothers at one stage, maybe when I was, like, 11 or 12 or something, could be a little bit older. But it was definitely a movie from, like I say, the 70s or 80s. And I feel like it was British. But it was like it was a little bit like kind of like Dungeon and Dragonsy. There was like a kind of like a quick guy with like maybe knives or something. There was a big older guy with like kind of who's more like strength and things. But they all had like there was the monk, the assassin, the wizard, the kind of all that kind of stuff. But uh, like kind of the bird like kind of stealthy guy. But uh, I can't remember. It was a movie movie in the sixties or seventies, and that was kind of like and I think it was British. And it was that kind of thing, but uh, and it was good. It was a fantasy movie, but I can't remember. You just it just popped into my head there, and I've been thinking about it lately, and I want to know what it is, but I don't know. Do you have any? I mean, you started talking about the quick guy, and it reminded me of um, Baron Munchausen, um, which is the. Then um, I got these two mixed up last time. What's the name of the director? Gilliam. Gilliam, thank you, Terry Gilliam, as opposed to who did I mix him up with in the past? Pratchett and Game and you mixed up last time, I think. Yeah, yeah. Pratchett, Game and Gilliam. The the Adventure of Baron Munchausen is one of those movies that, like, there was a trailer for it on the VHS that I can't even remember what movie. I, I would rent, like, the Transformers movie every week for a year. And, you know, it was fast forward in the trailers and every time I'd hit play to see if I was there to play the movie, you know, I'd get the bit in the Baron Munchausen trailer where they go, they've got his head on a chopping block and he's got an axe. And like, any famous last words? And he goes, not yet. Not yet. Is that famous? <laughs> <laughs> so now we're just into the weird fucking speed bumps in my brain. Um, Solomon Kane. That was a good movie. That's not the movie he's talking about, though. He's just jumped onto a new movie. Just just a movie. To just a movie. Song. How does Brian know? <laughs> I feel like he's in my brain constantly. It's actually quite helpful sometimes. Makes me have to take. Was it a good movie? Uh, it's it's decent. Yeah. Is it? Is he Brian? Brian's right. I'm right. Okay, I I ignored that because I I lumped it in the same vein as, uh, what is it? The the Black Death with Sean Bean and uh, the Witches one with Nicolas Cage and I know um, Solomon Kane is is Jonah Hex uh, was around the same time as well. No, Solomon Kane is a good movie. Uh, I think it's the same creator as um, Conan the Barbarian in terms of the the, the author, but uh, Solomon Kane is a good movie. Um, I did watch it a few times, and I think I watched it recently enough, like in the last hand, like a couple of years with my dad at one stage. It's, it's fun. It's a good movie. I, I would say it's similar enough to that Sean Bean movie, um, but I think it was it's like a slightly better. Um, it was a much, much, much lower budget. It's not, it's not, it's not amazing, but it's decent, especially given the budget. Um, and James Purefoy looks looks great in the role. Looks, he looks the part. Was Purefoy? a villain on Dexter. No, I think he was a villain on the Kevin Bacon thing to kill him. Yeah. Who am I thinking of? He was, because we were trying to work out villains. You think? Are you thinking of Johnny Lee Miller? No, there was the guy who was like the British assassin because Dexter had killed his lover. I don't remember the British assassin. Plot line uh, from Dexter. He, he, like, it's like he'd killed the I wrong think, guy think, from the mob. Are, are you talking about Chuck? 
Hold on, I'll I'll talk amongst yourselves. The ice truck. Then there's the lady. <laughs> then there's the there was the politician. There was a the guy from Hackers. There was Colin Hanks. The, no, you're talking about the guy who's the Punisher, Ray Stevenson. Yeah. Ah, yes. What was I his character that. in Dexter? He was the he was the Russian mob hitman guy. Yeah, yeah. God, I don't remember any of that. Okay. You're thinking it, I made. You're thinking I made him, him English because he's a no, no. His, his character, yeah, his character's Russian. He's the actor's English. They were both in Rome. That's why you're thinking of him. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, James James Purefoy was uh, Mark Anthony, and right. Ray Stevenson was the kind of fictional character that they made up for for the show. He was very good in um, Dexter. But it just like because I think they followed Dex uh, Lithgow with Johnny Lee Miller or and then with Johnny Lee Miller and Colin Hanks and Edward James Olmos. And those two were kind of flat and Purefoy was the first. Sorry, Stevenson was the first one where I'm like, OK, this guy is actually kind of threatening and interesting. But it never again got us up above Lithgow. Brian, you played Resident Evil 8. I did. I did. I finished the story. Um, now, I'm going to play it, Brian, so no spoilers. No spoilers. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> okay. unless, unless I can, um, I, can, I can dip out for like five I minutes. I need ten minutes of content from you, Brian, without spoilers. I, I can do that. I can do that. Um, okay. I, <laughs> you, you know, Brian. <laughs> Fuck you, Kevin. Right. I can talk. No, you can talk! <laughs> um, You're very engaging. <laughs> I quite liked it. Um... <laughs> It's yeah. Seven, seven was a kind of a departure in terms of the convention. It was the first game that was first person. Okay. Seven was quite good. Like the before seven, six had kind of gone off the rails. It was six was like three different games in one, and none of them were especially good. It was a bit of a mess. Seven was a nice return to form. Um, eight, Resident Evil Village. Um, it's I think it's the first time in the series where like the next main and a title entry has followed on directly from the events of the previous one. So you're playing as Ethan Winters um, from Seven. It's in first-person view, but they brought in a lot of elements from a lot of popular elements from like other games in the series. So things like um, the kind of weapons upgrading mechanic, and there being a kind of a merchant character that you you purchase stuff from. Um, so Gameplay, things like that, really good, really slick, lots of fun. It's well-paced. It's short enough, um, but it's well-paced. But it did, it is a little, the kind of final act is a little, feels very rushed. It's a bit, it's kind of unsatisfying, given what goes before it. Like it it's pretty cohesive, but it does feel like that they had maybe kind of four ideas of like things they could do. And then they kind of came up with this village concept as the village is the hub for these kind of four separate experiences. Right. So your character is like, he's the guy that we saw in Florida. He's sent to this small Ukraine, uh, sorry, non-specific Eastern European village where there's some shit going down. Is, has somebody gone missing? Your or, your child is abducted at the start, and then you find yourself outside this village. So you're just kind of you're just kind of venturing into the village, 
assuming that your daughter is maybe in there and then you're kind of figuring figuring things out as you go um that's kind of one of the, the problems i had with it is that there's elements of the village that are kind of effective and creepy but it's quite sparse and i don't, I don't want to spoil too much it happens early on but the village is quite sparse and one of the things i liked about four which was quite a while back is that the as when you start that game you're kind of going through the village and there are people in the village and you kind of notice that there's there's something off about them but it made it kind of a bit creepier that there are people there who aren't quite human and you're trying to figure out like what's like they, they seem to be living their ni- lives normally but then as you kind of approach them they're very hostile towards you and this game doesn't have that the kind of the the first kind of antagonist or enemy that you meet in it are werewolves essentially and they're they're kind of cool they're interesting they're they're you know kind of the encounters with them are tense but the village is otherwise empty except for kind of facing them and it's it's less it's less spooky than than kind of four i guess so that's kind of one of the problems um i kind of had with it and i think the other thing then would be that uh, you can unlock lots of the concept art after you finish the game and there's lots of like notes from the art directors in terms of like why they made certain design decisions or like things that they'd maybe originally planned and they have so many ideas for like the kind of four main kind of boss characters that they just didn't include so that there's a lot of great ideas that they had that they kind of took out at the last you minute. wish you could have seen yeah um so it, it kind of feels a bit rushed there's the the castle section is, is the kind of first part you do and it's it's great but um after that and kind of you know subsequent playthroughs they feel a bit more rushed um the the kind of main antagonist is very very underdeveloped you kind of they made a big point of not revealing their face and who they are and then by the time you kind of encounter them at the end it's the first time. So you, is, it's is, the first time you is, come across them. Is Lady Demetrisk? Is it Demetrisk? The game. The game pronounce. The game pronounces it uh, Demetrisk, but I believe it's actually supposed to be Dimitrescu. But the game pronounces. I think the game pronounces it wrong. Is what I've heard. Okay, great. Yeah, making it easy for the user here. Um, she's what we've seen in the marketing. Mm-hmm. Is she not the main villain? No. No. Okay. And they, they they had made that clear that you know yeah. that she's kind of under someone else. Um so that much was clear, but the the kind of main antagonist like I said is is very underdeveloped. And then when you look at the the concept artwork after playing the game, you realize they've all these great ideas that for who knows why, but they they cut a lot of ideas from it. So does the game is the game is it fairly open or does it feel kind of on rails guided type of thing? Uh, it's linear in terms of your progression. You have to kind of complete the, let's say. The tasks that are put in front yeah. of you. Yeah, you got to complete those in that given order. And yeah, so the, the village is kind of like a hub for these four other sections you got to complete. Areas. Um, okay. And it, like I said, it, okay. it is good. It's well paced, but kind of on subsequent playthroughs you can get through some parts much much faster 
um, when it's not your first time going through it and they feel then in comparison they feel a little light or less fleshed out than have you gone back and played moments again yeah yeah have you gone specifically back to play moments or are you just like i died and now i'm back here and i'm playing or you're just going i want to do that again um there's kind of like a couple of challenges and things that you're kind of saying okay i want to see if i can do that like you know can i can i complete this section in less time or that kind of thing so okay yeah it was great and there is i think there's a moment in it that is probably up there with you know the top five or three moments in resident evil games um i won't spoil too much if you've seen any of the trailers it kind of shows these four characters who you know are going to be the kind of the four antagonists so there's Dumitrescu, who's the tall vampire lady there's Moreau, who is a kind of a sea monster looking thing there's heisenberg who is a drug dealer he's a guy with a a hat and a hammer um (laughs) not nothing to do with the the other heisenberg the other hat yeah and then there is a character called donna beneviento and you see her when you when you see her she's she's in the background she's wearing like kind of a funeral shroud dressed all in black you can't see her face and she's a little um kind of marionette doll which is in a kind of a bridal dress but the doll is super creepy and she communicates through the doll the doll can kind of walk around and hmm. so the second the second kind of section you go through in the game is house beneviento which is dealing with that part and it's it's all kind of psychological horror and there's a moment in it which made me out loud say what the fuck pause the game and get up and leave the room for a few minutes <laughs> <laughs> oh really Ryan do you think, do you think uh, I'll enjoy the game I think so yeah like it, it, it is a good game it's it is good um, it's just a little disappointing at the end and then like I said on a on a subsequent playthrough you can kind of get stuff get through stuff much faster and some later parts don't hold up as well that they're fine in your first playthrough, but on a on a later playthrough, they don't hold up as well as the stronger parts, and it does feel a little bit like it's just it, it's interesting. Was it rushed or did they? It's it's kind of it's it's you wonder why they cut some stuff. What what the thinking behind it was because there's a lot of good stuff in there. It gets a bit action, like I said, it gets a bit action heavy at the end, which is a nice break on your first playthrough but on a subsequent playthrough it's like it's kind of like got oh, this section you know it doesn't hold up as good as it doesn't hold up as good as the the stronger parts of of the game but uh definitely i'd recommend it i still enjoyed it um looks gorgeous looks incredible and it's got some it's got some really effective moments so basically like you, you kind of want more of the the good moments and it has yeah. it has plenty of them and then you kind of wonder why they didn't come up with more of those essentially do you reckon it's a good game if you want to like sit in for the weekend and play it definitely yeah like i said it's it's because it's well paced um the weather is is like an eight hour campaign though Uh, it's longer than that i'd imagine some people could do it in less time than that but it isn't as long as a i think it's about similar length to the re2 remake 
Mm-hmm. Similar enough to that, I'd imagine. Remastered, Brian. God. Ugh. No, remake. You're the worst. Remake, actually. It is it actually is a remake, isn't it? Why do they call it remastered? Because they just they change parts of it. Yeah, a, it's brilliant. A, a remaster would be if they update the change original nothing. code. Yeah. Yeah. This is a ground up remake. So So fuck you, Kevin. Fuck you <laughs> right, you're right. Fuck me. <laughs> Big old fuck me. Yep. Uh yeah, I'm interested to see what they do next. Oh god, it takes ages though, doesn't it? To get another game, yeah, I, I I believe. How long did it take them to make this one? And you played it through in, inside of a week, and you're like, "Be interested to see what they do next." Yeah, bricks. <laughs> With the, the the thing is, is well, they there. There's been talk. I su- I suspect like they they they've remade two and three. Uh, two was really really well received. The expectation yes. is that yeah, like four is the high point of the series and they'd be fools not to remake four. And then I wonder, did they develop a lot of these village assets? Because eight, eight is clearly very inspired by four. I feel like did they develop right. a lot of assets for four remake and say, hey, well... By doing eight. Four, four, no, I, I actually wonder, is it the other way around? Is it that oh. in developing four... And four is a longer game. Did they say four isn't ready to go yet? Let's make another entry with Ethan Winters from seven using some of these village assets we've developed. And is that maybe why the game feels a bit rushed? Is that four is taking up more time? Because the the length of four's campaign is quite quite long. Yeah. And is 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 that maybe what happened? That I I I wild speculation here but it kind of feels yeah, like yeah. and that was for the one that was on with the Wii uh, well it was the on it, it was on everything eventually it was originally released yeah. on the GameCube and then it was such a hit it's been re-released it's on everything you can buy it for the PS4 yeah I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I was paying it on the Wii and I got with the, the controls are so clunky just couldn't do it but I, I, I kind of I wonder is that maybe what happened that they they were developing they've developed all these assets for 4 and then four is not ready to go, but they need to release something. And maybe they'd already planned to, yeah. always planned to release eight. I'm not sure, but it it kind of does feel like that. And the reason I'm saying like I'm interested to see what they do next is the end of the game explicitly sets up either some DLC or or the next the next sequel. So did they release any DLC for the last one? For seven, they did for seven, not for. Did I play it? I wonder. I must have. I think I played some of it. I love the Saw aspect of that yep. game. Seven, seven's excellent. Did either of you play Assassin's Creed Valhalla? No. Nope. I gave up on the Assassin's no. Creed games. I think... What was the last one I played? It was four. The pirate one, I think. That was the last okay. one I played. I've, I've, I've not played it. To be honest, I mostly play games Brian's played. Most of my kind of games that I do. Yeah, be fair. You've, got, you've got a critic whose opinion you respect and you, you play yeah, the yeah. games he recommends. Yeah. And um, also, Brian Brian knows what I like and don't like. Like, Brian wouldn't necessarily recommend Final Fantasy to me, but he'd recommend, like... Resident Evil 8. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, like, whatever, you know. Brian Brian does kind of... Well, I'm, I'm just curious about the um, Valhalla one specifically as the um, they released a DLC this week called... Um, Oh, the Curse of the Druids or something like that. So Valhalla takes place in Norway and Britain. And mm. this is a 10-hour a campaign expansion that brings you to Ireland. 
and I'm just, you know. Oh, it brings you to Ireland. E- egocentric. So, you know, you arrive in Dublin and you travel around all of Ireland. Now, that being said, I did see one, I was watching one review and it's like, and it's got all of the lush rolling hills of Ireland. And they pan the camera and there's like a fucking Lucky Charms rainbow in the background. And I'm like, are there rainbows in other parts of the game? Or did they just add that because we're in Ireland now? Um, mm. But... Well, um, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not not an accurate representation of Ireland. We do have we do we here. do have the odd rainbow, yeah. yeah. But I just thought it would be funny if like there's literally rainbows in it now because we're in Ireland, and if you can yeah, get to the end of, of that rainbow. Yeah. I I didn't realize there was a game set in Ireland. I wonder could I go to my hometown? I know it's like obviously it's set back in the day, but it's like, probably just just ge- it's probably geographically just could I go there? Just Dublin, I'd imagine. No. There's a whole map of Ireland you can run around in. And I, I saw some someone we know put up a picture of they put up a picture of like a little dock and a levee and a water and it just went oh they've got a, a, a an accurate representation of Dundalk <laughs> it's just a couple it's just a handful of planks and a dinghy which is funny but like I don't know like I I haven't played the game I don't know if that's literally we're going to Dundalk and you arrive at a small port and it's like in the year eight hundred was Dundalk yeah. just a tiny port with a couple of like is this accurate I don't know. I would assume people, no, are, but... people are selling ducks in Dublin City. In Dublin City, people are stealing ducks, ducklings out of the canal, and selling yeah, them on ducklings. the fucking internet. They're 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 selling them on like they're selling them around like the streets like like this. Okay, this sounds like do you know where your children are? But uh, but I, I they actually are. There's people. There's vendors just selling them on the street because TikTok. Much too old to be a duckling. Quack quack. Arsehole selling fucking ducks though. Yeah. That's yeah, and like as you said, they're they're basically they're robbing them, they're stealing out of the canal, they're taking them from farms. Yeah. Because people have ducks on TikTok. They're they're selling them as yeah, because there's some trend on TikTok, like day in the life of a duck. Uh, I have no idea. Um I think TikTok, like all other social media things, is probably whatever. I'm not Whoever, whatever, who cares? It's awful. Everything's awful. TikTok is great. Comparison you is, watch them out. Comparison is a lot. Comparison is. I love ha- TikTok. Of happiness. I love TikTok. I love TikTok. You shut your wet mouth. You shut your wet mouth. Follow at the Endless Cast on TikTok. You will find clips and drawings on there. Do we have the, Do we have a TikTok? Yeah. We have a TikTok. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I'm on TikTok. I'm TikTok famous. I'm gonna get ducks. Hang on. <laughs> Yeah, we do. Um, same same login as the the Instagram if you if you're so inclined. <laughs> no one's inclined, not even me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna say John Mulaney though. I will say because oh, what was it? Was a Christmas special? I can't remember. Uh, the, sack lunch punch, the sack yes. lunch punch. The sack lunch punch. And I think if lunch. people, I, I I think if people haven't seen it, they should watch it. It's very very funny. It's possibly one of the funnier... Like I, don't, I don't watch a whole lot of stand-up on Netflix, and I think that's one of the funnier things I've seen. And the song about trigonometry is so catchy. Till this day, it's still stuck in my mind. How did he lose his eye? About algebra. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, oh, algebra, yeah. It's so good. That song is so good. That man's voice is beautiful. He's fantastic. Yes, but it's, it, it's a really, 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 really funny show. I just find or myself special. muttering, uh, playing plate and noodles with a little bit of butter. <laughs> Yeah, 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 I know. It's a great, uh, it's actually really hilarious. If you haven't seen it, it's worth a watch, isn't it? It's 
John Mulaney on Netflix has the Comeback Kid, Kid Gorgeous, and then a variety special with a bunch of children called The Sack Lunch Bunch, which is fun. And Jake Gyllenhaal is in it. (laughs) Jake Gyllenhaal is excellent in it. I I don't know what to say about it. I mean, it was well received when it was released. It was released in the end of 2019, though, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, before the end times. Or the end times. Jupiter's Legacy. Jupiter's Legacy. That's probably the best thing to do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me just recap. We went Resident Evil, Assassin's Creed, Valhalla, got us to Dundalk, got us to Ducks, got us to Quack Quack, John Mulaney, comedy special, comedy special, music special, Netflix, Jupiter's Legacy. So, I watched the rest of Jupiter's Legacy. Kevin, you did the same thing. Brian... Uh, understandably did not put himself through the ordeal, which is fair. It never really, it never really lands the superhero thing that it's doing. I'm never happy with it. I don't like the costumes. I don't like the fighting. But the telling of the story of them getting their powers and the world that they build around them. Sky Fox's kid is interesting the daughter is an interesting storyline the idea that the code is falling apart i like i ended up liking a lot of it i just none of it was the sort of superhero fighting bit and sheldon's journey to the island where he got the powers did feel like a white like you're spending an entire series giving me an origin story of characters that we already are dealing with a hundred years later. Do you know what I mean? It's a weird way of mm. telling a story to to be hopping around in a timeline. Like, tell me one of these stories is kind of where is th- I landed on it. Is there going to be a season two? I don't know why I heard there's only going to be one episode, one season. So that's it. There's going to have to be based on the way it ended. Netflix own Miller World. I doubt they'd only make one season of this. Because, um, like, okay, so if they're going to make a second season, like, I know where it's going and essentially what they'll do. Like, kind of like, right, so we we all agreed in previous podcasts that Mark Miller essentially writes movie scripts, then storyboards them, and that's that's packaged as a comic book. Prints them and sells them in comic book shops. Yes. Yeah, well, but you'd agree with that, right? Essentially. Yeah, but I want, I do want to go... I don't judge that. That's a great way to operate, and people are bitter at him because he fucking cracked the code for himself. No, you know? but but no, but I, but my thing is, see, my thing is, 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 is like I'm not, I'm not begrudging him that at all because let's be honest, I read Kick Ass, it works. I read Jupiter's Legacy, like you know, he he can write a good story. Uh, when you get someone like Frank Outley or what was what's his name? Quietly, quite, quite quietly, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Um, Quite frankly, when we get someone like quite frankly doing a book, you guys are bigger fans of him. Um, I think only until I actually revisited Jupiter's Legacy uh, last week that I was looking at his artwork going like, actually, I kind of like it, you know. But I'm easily swayed. I have no spine. It takes <laughs> it, it takes it takes a bit of staring at it. Yeah, you really do. Gotta him. you kind of gotta accept this scratchy line work 
and really look at the pose and the performances in the in the drawings. All right. And then you start. We, to we got them on this, and we're so close to the speed racer. We just got to keep going. I was going to say yeah. speed racer. If I if here if I if I ever come back and say speed racer was a good movie, like kind of like sit me down and be like, stop, 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 Kevin. You're a people pleaser. You have no spine. Have some conviction. You're a hor- you're a horrible human being. A, a goal for this podcast for me would be to uh, get enough of a following to do a live screening of Speed Racer with Kevin sat in the front row. Cla- <laughs> Clockwork Orange style with his eyes you all- <laughs> pried open. <laughs> Peeled open. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, no. go ahead. Aiden brings me to things and it never end well. Um, but uh, the improv, improv did not go well. I broke it. You did well, actually. Yeah, you did. Um, sorry, I brought Kevin to an improv show one time, and he got brought up and asked to uh, go through an Instagram account that he followed by way of inspiration for the show that would ensue afterwards. Which I didn't realize was the pre the, the context of this thing. I didn't read. I, I actually don't even follow this account. I just thought it would be interesting enough for people to look at it. And it was an account of. Uh, it's called. It's called Snake Pit. And they're controversial or botched tattoos really yeah they're awful tattoos yeah some of them some of them are good but yeah but concept wise they're all gro- concept wise they're all gross basically oh uh, yeah well i i wouldn't judge some of them are, are some of them are technically good but they're all gross basically so he just took an entire room full of people and grossed them out and then left yeah. 10 improv actors to try and make a show based on gross concepts yeah i didn't realize that was going on yeah i didn't realize i thought they just wanted to kind of like have a bit of you you think you think that went wrong i think everybody there and maybe this is egocentric of it but like i think that night was much funnier because (laughs) the room was so uncomfortable and they were all laughing because of how comfortable uncomfortable they were and the performers were so uncomfortable going near any of the concepts that you had put in front of them i think that was a high watermark night for me (laughs) remember they stopped it I don't know. They were just they were just at one point there during the improv. They were like, "Okay, stop, stop." One guy was taking off his clothes, and it was just like, "Stop!" Oh, stop, he, he stop took off his fast. trousers, and they stopped yeah. it. And they, the, yeah. one of the other performers yeah. gave him a reprimand. Like it was it was yeah. in context of the show. He's going, "Look, we're all trying to be funny, but there's a line here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, it wasn't my fault. And then, 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 yeah. But anyways, whatever I was gonna say is, um, Frank Miller or Mark Miller, he pretty much he pretty much puts together these comics storyboards and whatever it was good to go that's what I'm trying to say it was good to go for a TV show and yeah. they fucked around with it so much they absolutely butchered it they butchered the, the, the storytelling they butchered the character flow they butchered the character development they butchered the main plot lines there's so much stuff they put into it that was so rubbish and like I was actually watching it kind of like did I misinterpret the book completely you know it's I didn't like it because I read the book. I'm trying to be impartial, but it uh, wasn't great. The 1930s stuff was cool. That's the best stuff in the book as well. If I was if I was watching that show, they did that really well. I think I think they did that really well. I think by the time they crack the code and they go through the ordeal and they get themselves the powers and they arrive back at the boat, like, fucking spoilers, guys. They end up with superpowers. But... <laughs> like the music build the 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 last shot of them flying in 
I thought it was great. I think they did a great job there. In the in the book, basically though, kind of like Shelby gets hears the voice. It's not his father. It, it, Wall Street does crash and things, and they do lose stuff. You know, uh, it's not his father. I don't think it's just a, a random voice. He hears it in his dreams and stuff, and he very calmly like just tells his friends, and their friends are just like, well, you know, Shelby, if he if he believes in something, he believes in something, and they all just blindly follow. Uh, yeah. There's no there's no struggle like that. I did like the stuff with Walt and George and things because mm. that does come into kind of play in the future. But yeah, we'll see. But I think I think to be fair to the show, like introducing that level of conflict in the 1930s makes that really watchable. Like if there wasn't like if if everybody just said, yep, he's right. His father's died. His company's lost his business. He's hearing voices. Let's get in a boat and head out into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I, I wouldn't buy that in a TV show either. I think the fact that he had to had to make it happen and had to convince them to do it. And also we got to see Kurtwood Smith, who I always enjoy, pop up. That's the guy. That That's the guy, the guy out in the Miller farm. From, which um, I, I only just... Robocop. I only just, as I said it out loud, went, of course it's called the Miller farm because it's Mark Miller. Um, I see I would say all that golden age stuff in the comic books is brilliant and I really really loved it and it's actually like mm. definitely it's definitely um, the better stuff in the story I think they could have uh, they could have done a little bit less of like maybe it depends on how season 2 goes obviously they're trying to stress out that like golden era stuff maybe but they missed out on, they missed out on good stuff they missed out on good stuff I think uh, depending on where season 2 goes but it's like uh, I think structurally I was far more invested in the characters and story development of those people in the books and it just was very lacklustered in the movie. Yeah, and like as we talk it through, it's like the stuff that's happening in a contemporary setting, I don't I don't know I don't know, I don't think I had an arc there. You know what I mean? I think there was definitely there's a story in that thirties section. There is a journey that they go on, we beginning, middle and end at it, you know? This whole section with um walter's the the cause or the uncle and black star and the psychic imprint of sky fox and like it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere in season one and it's not interesting enough in season one to carry me through it like whatever else is going on in season one episodes three through five I, i don't I, I all but forget Blackstar's body is being examined, you know? See, none of, like, again, like, kind of, like I, I'm not going to be, I'm a soft drawing comparison to the book, but it's just, like, none of that's in the book. And it's just, I don't know, it's just a weird one. That, that's, that's my whole point, is, like, Miller just, he has these things packaged and ready to go, and they're good. They could have gotten, like, two, three seasons out of the, out of the whole thing. Even if they, even if they did, like, a kind of flash, like, a st- even if it started off, with a very poignant moment in the books and then just went straight to the golden era before they were superheroes and that was the next six episodes and then it finished off with a little bit of continuation of the contemporary storyline and then season two going into the contemporary storyline of the whole thing. You know, it would have been so much better, I think, personally, but... Yeah, they took weird approaches. I'd like to see them get Matthew Vaughn come in and do a season or a series, whatever they do next. Do you want him to do... Jupiter's legacy or do you just want him to do something on Netflix? Don't really care. Just do something on something on Miller World specifically because Okay. Yeah. Was he behind Kick Ass initially? Yeah. Him and Jane Gold what's her name? 
Jane. Is it Goldman? I think. Goldman. That's the producer, is it? The writer. But no, like uh, he he seems to be a good partner with Miller's stuff. That's what I'm saying. Yes, yeah, he gets it, yeah. I didn't like Kick-Ass 2, though. But he didn't do Kick-Ass 2. Well, you see, there you go. He did. I didn't like Kingsman 2. Did he do that? Uh, he might have done the second one, I think. I actually can't be sure. I know he did the first one. I don't know if he did the second or not. I'm not sure. Second one's no good. Uh, second one breaks it, if you ask me. Yeah, I love the first one. It's such a pity. First one is excellente. Yeah, anytime you get the Americans involved, it starts to fall asunder. Well, it was Cowboys, though, so it was very disappointing. Oh, you do love a cowboy, don't you? Yeah, I do. And Channing Tatum. Yeah, we know which YMCA guy you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So, I mean, I guess that's a review. Like, I, I even, I like, I like Duhamel, Josh Duhamel's stuff. I just like the 30s stuff. I just... Best stuff in the book, man. Read the books. And Will Torres art. I know it's always said it. You'd love that 30s stuff, man. And his artwork is amazing. Yeah. I think you should read the book. Yeah. Um... I think like I, it's not that I don't think there's stuff to do in the in the modern day stuff. I just I think they, f- I think they didn't put enough into it, and they spent more time on the. Who am I to be fucking talking about what their schedules were? But like I just didn't care about the, the contemporary stuff as much because the Utopian is such a flat character, you know. Like Sheldon in the thirties, is, you know, he's having a breakdown and he's doing a lot and he's pushed in certain directions and he's wobbly and whatever. But when he's mm. You know, he's he's this flat fucking thing. Like, the first episode I enjoyed was episode three because you don't deal with him or his family at all. We're dealing with Sky Fox's kid robbing the place and he's more interesting and you've got the big guy and the twins and, like, there's some interesting stuff happening with the other characters in the world and it's more fun. Right, look, we'll draw a line under Jupiter's legacy there. I'm sure season two is going to go. There's no way they don't especially on that cliffhanger especially as they've invested in costumes and sets like i, I know this place sounds silly but like you know if they bring out like i don't know this was like they bring out action figures or like extra merchandise based off it or anything cool based off of the things it's like potentially like i could see some sort of or whatever, like if they, if they got more comics out of it it's like great whatever you know but uh the tv show is a tv show and i'll always just enjoy the books i might buy a utopian action figure Based on the book, though, not the I'm get. I'm gonna get. I'm getting an invincible and Omni Man action figure. I don't know why. I think I saw it. It's very. I was very hyped on Invincible at the moment. So the um, you are hyped on Invincible at the moment. I I was I was during the cartoon. I was reading. I was watching the cartoon, reading the comics, and I was just all hyped on Invincible. And I went out and I bought two toys, and I haven't done that. Oh, in years. cool. Haven't got them yet, though. No big deal. I'm not worried. Next on my list then is Castlevania. Um, that basically just came out yesterday, and I'm on episode nine. Uh, I'm enjoying this one. Uh, I'm enjoying this season. I think there's more action in this season than in the previous ones. It's just moving quicker. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, would you agree, Brian? I know you're watching it as well. Yeah. Um. I think I think the first season was quite slow. It took me a while to. I had to rewatch the first season a few times, if I remember correctly. Um, I think it's kind of, I think it has moved faster in subsequent seasons. I like the show. I think it's, I think the writing is quite strong in terms of the plotting, things like that. It still suffers for me that same problem of, you know, it's seeming like the 
the ambition is greater than the time or money that they have. So, yeah, for me, it's kind of ropey in places. Um, but I do like it. I, I mean, I was watching last night and I paused in a few places and was just like, ugh, that is a rough fucking drawing. But like that again comes from there's a, there's a moment when Lenore is in a cage. I don't know what episode you're in. And stuff is happening. She's the the one of the four vampire queens that have that castle. And Hector has a cage and Lenore's in the cage. And she's watching on through her fingers. I don't know. Her pinky and index are spread and her two middle fingers are together. And she's got them up and she's like peering through her pinkies. And it's just an ugly drawing. And I don't know what the fuck it's trying to convey. Other than just they needed a shot of Lenore at that moment didn't know what to do with her like i don't know if she's scared angry horrified cursing and it's one of those sort of action holds where she's not really doing anything we're just seeing her Mm -hmm. it's not that they're incapable yeah it's just that they had so much else to do that they just put something in here and moved on and that's completely understandable i've done it myself but it is just you see it in your youth yeah and i think you see it quite a bit and it's 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 just you kind of, you know, when it looks when it looks so good in places, you just kind of want it to look consistently good. But I think you know, compared to other shows, I think the kind of writing of it is is stronger than some other animation that Netflix have done. I think, but uh, yeah, I like it. That's the thing is like if if it's the type of show that I would have like hoped for you know, when I was younger, like uh, a kind of an animated show that looks looks the way it does, you know, looks like the artwork from the games. And you would just kind of wish that, oh, I wish there was a cartoon of this. That would be so cool. And then they make one and it's clearly inspired by stuff I love, like, you know, Ninja Scroll, Vampire Hunter D. It's definitely got that influence. And in in stills, it looks as good as those, and then in motion, it's it's not quite up there. And it's like ah, it's, you know, this would have been a dream show for me ten or fifteen years ago. Um, yeah. And where, like, I know it's um, it's powerhouse animation. I think they're in Austin. I'm trying to think of the the names that are the driving forces behind it. I hear Samuel Dietz and Adam something other. They're the big names I see when I see Twitter and I see you know lead directors and stuff like that. You'll see their names all over the credits. Do you know where it's animated subsequently? Not sure, actually. From the concept of the, like, I know they, they do a lot in terms of storyboarding and keying. And I think I get Adam and Samuel mixed up on my on my Twitter feed. But, like, you know, they've, they've done key sequences themselves or, you know, keyed out massive sections of it. Um, but... You know, a lot of the bulk of animation work still gets sent away to cheaper, what's the word I'm looking for, regions, locales. Um, you know, like it's it's cheaper to animate in Canada than it is to animate in LA. It's cheaper to animate in Ireland than it is to animate in Canada. It's cheaper to animate in Korea than it is to animate in Ireland. The The trade-off is always time zone communication and um, to some degree ability. I don't know who you come to to Ireland in Ireland to do a Castlevania. Me. <laughs> that was that. That was a joke there, because because I'm not. I'm. Mm. That, I, that would I'm take a while, animator. wouldn't it, Brian? 
I'm enjoying this season a lot. I think the last season really like was kind of ponderous. I didn't like while there was cool moments in it. I just I think it was this last season was the village and the cursed church. They kept trying to find their way into the basement. Yep. Am I right? Yep. Do you remember this and the the infinite corridor stuff? Um, but the season before that was the the battle with the vampires that ended in Dracula's castle. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm getting. Season one, they ended up killing Dracula. Season two, there's a battle in the castle. Season three, it's the village. And it's just because season two ended on such a high note for me. Season three was just really fucking ponderous. And I was like, I watched it and I enjoyed bits of it. But I'm like, this is changing. And I think it's season three is when they introduced the 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 smiths or the forges or whatever they're called. And, you know, it was a lot of learning who these characters were and a lot of time with Isaac just walking around the place with night creatures around him, chatting to them, you know? Um, and all I wanted was more, you know, Belmont and Cypher and Alucard killing things. I'm watching a show called Win the Wilderness. Basically, it's quite impressive because this uh, man and woman trekked like 15 days, I think it was something like 57 miles into the last Alaskan kind of wilderness and found a plot of land for themselves and build their house and a runway where people can like when they're visiting them can come and land they lived in a small shack for nine years before they actually finished their house they have a, a greenhouse and a barn and all that kind of stuff it's really interesting but then uh i think it's seven british couples were selected to go to alaska and they're basically to set up these little camps on the on the, on the land of the house and uh each of them had to compete and ultimately win the house from the old people that built it uh, 30 odd 40 odd years ago because uh they are getting too old to live there and, and it's too isolated so they're moving out so they want to give it to somebody so the idea is people go there to do these challenges whoever does best in the challenges gets selected to go and stay a night in the old couple's house and they kind of get to talk to the old couple and the old couple's asking like what's their life you know their experiences what they hope to do in alaska and the house and all that kind of stuff it's uh it's good but it's basically it's essentially is it's uh seven british couples uh interview uh, with an older couple whilst doing daytime activities. That is a bonkers concept for a TV show. Yeah, it is weird because like they're going to get in the house. Obviously, the TV show yeah. is paid for, but yeah, I don't the know. The TV show is obviously paying to move the old couple Yeah, somewhere else, right? Well, the old couple just mustn't be able to live there, so so they're selling it. And the TV show are like, well, look, we'll buy it if we do this TV you know, this is such an interesting listing. We can make a competition out of this, you know. Um, I don't know I don't know why it's uh, seven British people. Because you'd imagine visa-wise and stuff, there'd be complications. So, like, and like, you know, kind of like, okay, Alaska Alaska is pretty is an isolated place anyways. But it's like, surely people would be able to travel in and out of Alaska from America domestically easier than it would be for people to travel internationally. So I know yeah. that's my that's my thing. Sorry, it is it is a it is Alaska, is it? It's not a yes, it's Alaska Canadian region because then you get the Commonwealth thing. It could be a Canadian region, but I don't think so. Um, Why would I doubt you? I can't remember. Yeah, well, you've plenty of reasons about me, but um, I can't remember. Where are you watching that then? Netflix. Okay, I'll have I'll yeah. have a look. I'll have a look. <gasps> Oh, I, I don't... Yeah, I told you guys, I ate meat this week. Okay. I ate, I ate three sausages, pork sausages. 
Do you want to do you want to give us the context and give us a story for the sake of the I podcast? I haven't eaten meat since September. Myself and my partner have gone vegan. We didn't initiate the challenge, not for any particular reason. Uh, it was it was something we were doing with a friend, just a kind of like a, a healthy gut thing or something. And then we actually really liked it, so we kept it going. And now, like you know, obviously I feel bad for animals and stuff. So I, you know, I'm happy I'm not eating meat. But unfortunately, Super Aldi beside me doing renovations. They're moving stuff around every day. You go in there, it's a different layout. It's, it's hectic obviously there's a lot going on for them it's complicated uh there's a vegan food section in the shop and it's great and it always has the latest products and like different things it's brilliant but staff had uh put some sausages into the meat sausages in runs meat sausages into into the vegan section of the shop and uh, i accidentally picked them up and i would put them into a their barbecue flavor because i would never eat barbecue sausages i wouldn't particularly interested but i was like ah there was rods it's me free i'll try them out and see what they're like and i was like wow these taste great they're really they're really juicy they, like you know i was like and i was still thinking like they still taste pretty processed because they're really barbecuey like but like it was pretty good i had them in a bread roll and i ate the entire bread roll and i said then the emer came back into the room and i was just like wow those sausages like were pretty impressive blah 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 and then the emer checked the pack and she's like yeah they're 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 80 percent irish pork or something blah, blah blah and i was just like oh shit so yeah, I ate I ate some sausages, meat sausages. Uh, I didn't feel sick. Uh, it was it was a mistake. Everybody's mistake, but whatever. Did you then fall off some sort of meat wagon and go on a meat bender? Um, no meat benders, no meat wagon, which is a which is a restaurant in Dublin. Uh, no, I did not. Uh, uh, the dog was happy. She got three extra sausages, but uh, uh, and I actually bought her sausage, regular sausages, anyways, because well, you know the dog doesn't have to be completely vegan. And she needs to put on weight, so, um, but yeah, so I that's that's like that that's pretty much the most intense thing or the most the most interesting that happened to me this week is I ate three pork sausages, and um, I thought I'd get the old bubble guts and I didn't. So you've returned to the vegan system. Yes. Very good. Good yeah. man. Yeah, I can't really you know I can't really beat myself up over it. I was I was annoyed initially, but 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 more for myself, like you know, just check check your things. People out there with your allergies and your food preferences or dietary preferences, always check before you buy. Otherwise, you'll die. That's not true. Could be true. Could be true. If it's peanuts. Yes, there are things you should not consume. You should probably look at what you're putting in your face. Um, yes. So we've we've touched on Jupiter's legacy, Castlevania, Kevin's uh, digestive habits. I've got a few other small notes here, but otherwise we can start to look to wrap things up. I watched the I watched the trailer for Protege from the people that brought you John Wick. It's got Michael Keaton. It's got Samuel L. Jackson. It's got Maggie Q. I think it looked terrible, and I did not make it through the trailer. Um, so uh, I think. That would probably be a direct-to-video number if this was 1997 and we wouldn't see it. I could mm-hmm. be wrong. Um, I like all those people, but um, I think putting from the people that brought you John Wick at the end of things is the equivalent of saying, you know, from the people that brought you The Matrix. Like, a lot of bad movies were made under the, from the people that brought you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no shit. No shit. Yeah. No shit. Speed Racer, for example. The people that brought you the Matrix. I then watched the trailer for The Misfits with uh, Pierce Brosnan in it and I also did not get through that either. No, I stopped literally halfway. It's awful. It looks no good. 
these just fall into a category of just I don't know mid-budget action movie that keeps people employed. Like there, there's a there is a there is a real thing around um, uh, union performers doing something in order to keep their health insurance. I like I like a good heist movie. I like a clever heist movie. Obviously, then like you know you see the likes of the Misfits. That's a heist movie as far as mm. I know. I only watched half the trailer, but uh, no, not good at all. I love a heist movie. Uh, and things like Ronin and Heat and stuff, I think that's what all of these, like the likes of Misfits, they're all trying, like that's basically what they're trying for. It, I mean, there, there is a sense that movie. They, they were just shooting a movie on whatever island Pierce Brosnan has retired to and he wandered into it. <laughs> What's the trailer for Stillwater with Matthew Damon? Um, you know, the dorky Matthew Damon. Matt Damon, do people call him um, Matthew Damon? I, 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 I have taken to calling him Matthew Damon in the last couple of minutes. You probably... You probably rode shoulders with him because you're all sophisticated. That's your side of town. Stillwater is the story of an American uh, father trying to prove or uh, defend his daughter who has been imprisoned in a... Where is she? France? Italy? Looks like she went to Europe, got accused of murder, got imprisoned. He's trying to get her out. It looks like Taken meets the Amanda Knox story. Could be good. I don't know. Like the trailer... It looked like a solid enough trailer in that sort of vein, but like at the same time, I I think I've seen stories like this before, so it might be a Matt Damon movie that you know it's in his canon, but it's not going to do huge. Um, like, do you ever see Green Zone? Why does that sound so familiar? I remember it. He's got a whole bunch of movies that you like. Definitely, they spent money on this, and definitely, it's well made film. But like, it gets watched and goes away, and that's that. You know, I'm sure that's true of many, many actors. Hmm. Uh, after that, I took a big jump backwards to 1962 and I watched the original James Bond movie, Dr. No. I I have like four scenes of that movie in my head from growing up and watching it. But watching it again for the first time in a long time, there's so much of it that I didn't remember. And there's so much of it that's actually really quite good. I mean, it had to have been because it started this off, but, like, you think of Bond as a formulaic, franchised thing, and they hadn't established the formula in the first in the first couple, you know? So they're, they're wobblier and they're different, and it is kind of more interesting seeing this guy kind of wandering around this town trying to get to the bottom of a mystery. And there there is more of that than I expected. And I, I'd seen this film. I'd just completely forgotten about it. The the stuff that happens on the island that they get out to is, you know, an hour and ten, an hour, an hour at least anyway, into it. And that's the section of the movie that everybody remembers when they think of Dr. No. So, I don't know. I was pleasantly surprised by this film that I had kind of like, kind of put written off as something I've seen and didn't need to see again. And I watched it and was like, oh yeah, there's, there is more to this than I remember. There is a funniness watching these old movies though where because I've watched a few of these older Bond movies in the last while, um, where continuity does big gaps in continuity and, and, and rough editing, you know, like rolls out of a car, picks himself up, swings back with his right hand to throw a punch, the shot changes, and then his left hand punches somebody. Like, big, glaring uh, continuity errors like that. But um, they're just kind of funny. It was fun to go back and see the first Bond movie. With, in theory, the 23rd or 22nd one coming out this year? 
that movie keeps getting pushed. I think they're going to do the reshoots because technology's outdated. All the product placement's outdated. Are they reshooting? I heard they were. I heard they had to reshoot some scenes because the, the product placement and all the initial advertising that they had planned and marketing is all outdated now. Yeah, though, like for a long while now, those movies will have whatever cell phone Sony's trying to plug or whatever laptop Sony's trying to plug, like in use in the movie. But it's a year and a half to two years past when they wanted to release it. So, you know, that's not the phone they're plugging anymore. That's not the watch Omega are trying to sell. That's not the car. <laughs> yeah, that's why I heard they were doing research. Maybe Brian told me that. I don't know. Or you told me, Aiden, but yeah, that they're uh, they have to do research because of the product. Um, I think I think that one needs fact checking. I definitely mentioned to you before that they were going to run up against the problem that like they had a lot of magazine shoots pre-shot with the cast of the movie holding phones and things that just no longer relevant. Have you ever bought a product based off it being used in a movie, like say a phone based off example, it being used a in a movie? Like, you know, wait, yeah, was, the like, Matrix, Matrix phone was was a thing that people like that. kind of wanted, but it was so fucking expensive. I don't think it was useful. Yeah, I think I'm the same way. I don't think I, I've, I don't think I got anything to be honest. I don't think I'm buying technology or. I might see something like where like someone's just like you're you're watching something, and like they could be like oh, oh let's get some like chimichangas, and then you're like so what's chimichanga, and then you see like oh it's a deep fried burrito, and it's just like oh I'm gonna try that. Stuff like that happens to me. So you you are you are led by the food of it. Yeah, or else I could be, I could be watching something and they like they'll be like eating hot dogs and I'd be like, mm, yeah, I'm gonna get some hot dogs. What's the plan for next week? Is there anything you guys want to watch specifically? I saw Love, Death, and Robots hit. Army of Darkness is out next week, right? Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead or whatever. Yeah. Is so, it? Maybe it's not. It's out on the twenty first, I think. Oh, you're right, Brian. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, I mean, that's that's an easy one. That's a Saturday, though, is it? 21st? 21st is a Friday. And that's an, is that a Netflix release? Yep. Okay. It's out in the cinema now, I think, and it'll be on Netflix next week, if, I'm, if I've got that right, I think, yeah. yeah. Other than that, uh, my plan for the day is I shared a video with you yesterday of... Somebody who made the drinks from Cowboy Bebop. He picked three of the, the the cocktails that were put together over the course of that show. And he made them. And he's got a little menu of how to go about that. And I think I'm going to try a prairie oyster and a, oh, awesome. and a cowboy. Uh, You're going to try I, a prairie oyster? Why not? Okay. Wait, what's that? Let me know how that goes. Well, now there's... As, as far as my understanding goes, there's a couple of versions of what a prairie oyster is. I'm talking about I assume, the drink, I assume not the food you're stuff. Not, I assume you're not going to do like the, what's actually in the show. Well, it's um, are, are, an egg yolk, he... pinch of yeah, salt, okay. pepper, two dashes of Worcestershire sauce, one dash hot sauce, uh, shot of gin, and shoot it. Okay. Does that look... Is that, that all together? That sounds awful. <laughs> that sounds really bad. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's something to do with the day. Absolutely. I mean, all goes. I'm, in, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm excited to hear. <laughs> sure, I, I, I suggest you try it yourself and. Uh, no. Join in. No. Um, if I'm making anything today, it'll be a Sazerac or a Mojito.
probably be mojito because I have the ingredients. But I do want to make a Sazerac. It's been too long. I say that as it was December. I remember exactly. <laughs> that is that is kind of long, I guess. Oh, yes. Oh, actually, 20 year olds and 30 year olds, less standard of living than Yeah, our that was parents. a study that came out about Ireland. This generation of Irish citizens are the first generation to be worse off than their parents in the history of the free state. And that is only two, three generations, 100 and odd years. But at the same time, it's not great. How does that make you feel? I mean, I put on an episode of Friends the other day and the theme tune kind of hit different, you know? No one told you life was going to be this way. Oh. Your job's a joke. You're broke. Oh, I've been thinking that for a Your while. Your love life's DOA. Like, Your love life's it was DOA. funny in 1995, but then, like, now it's kind of real. Mm. I saw a statistic this week that I think the boomer generation, when they were reached adulthood accounted for something like 21 percent of the world's wealth and then gen x accounted for around eight percent of the world's wealth and millennials have four percent of the world's wealth mark zuckerberg accounts for two percent of that entire wealth oh my god one person oh my god (laughs) 